Well, are you grateful for that time of worship today? Man, yes, thank you so much. What a, what a blessing it is every single week. Good morning. It is great to see some cross-generational worship going on this morning. I, I, I just, I got to tell you, I don't like two separate services. I like having us all together. I think it's just, um, I think it speaks more powerfully to the fact that the gospel crosses every barrier, generational barriers, racial barriers, socioeconomic barriers, and uh, boy, just to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ who are younger than I am and older than I am and right in the middle has just, it's been great. Thank you for that privilege this morning. Tell you a story. The lady of the house came home from shopping wearing a brand new dress that she had purchased from one of the high-end fashion stores in the big city. The husband, upon seeing the dress, just got furious and he burst out in a rage and he said, why did you buy that? You know we can't afford it. She said, honey, I know the devil made me do it. He said, well, why didn't you tell the devil to get behind you? She said, well, I did. And he said, mm, 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 looks good from back here too. <laughs> you know, the devil gets blamed for a lot of things. And many times, he is to blame. If we look at what the Word of God says about him, Scripture calls him our enemy, the father of lies, the tempter, that old serpent. We're told that he masquerades as an angel of light, in order to fool us and deceive us and trick us. Scripture tells us he's like a roaring lion always on the prowl, always looking for someone he can devour. We've been seeing that reality as we have been walking our way and working our way through the book of Nehemiah and especially as we have come to Nehemiah chapter 4. Because you see, in Nehemiah chapter 4, this man Nehemiah and the Old Testament people of God have been making great progress in rebuilding the broken down walls of the city of Jerusalem that had been destroyed by the armies of the Babylonian Empire some 141 years earlier. You see, for 141 years, God's people had been living in disgrace. For 141 years, they had been living in despair and discouragement. The evidence of their defeat at the hands of their enemies literally was all around them, symbolized in the broken down walls and the burned gates of that once great city. 
But under Nehemiah's leadership, things had begun to change. The people had decided they didn't want to live in defeat anymore. They didn't want their enemies to control their lives anymore. They didn't want their future to be like their past. So they began to rebuild those walls. And more than that, they began to rebuild their lives. And they were making great progress when suddenly they came under attack from the enemy. These people who did not want them to do what God had called them to do. Who did not want them to be what God had called them to be. Who did not want them to realize the great potential that God said they had. And what happened to God's Old Testament people way back then is exactly what we find happening to God's New Testament people, you and me, today. If we get serious about doing what God's called us to do. If we get serious about being the people he has called us to be. And that's why the central truth of Nehemiah chapter 4, the, the thesis statement of this chapter is just as true today as it was in Nehemiah's day. And that is whenever you get serious, whenever you get serious about rebuilding anything, if you get serious about being someone who walks with God, someone who waits on God, someone who works for God, someone who witnesses for God, if you get serious about those things, you're going to quickly find yourself running into some real and recurring spiritual warfare. If you're a Christian who's committed to rebuilding anything, if you want to take something that's wrong and make it right, if you're interested in fixing the mess in your own life, in your church, in your community, in your nations, in your nation or among the nations, then you have to understand you have just put yourself in Satan's crosshairs. You have an enemy. And Satan is not going to sit idly by and watch you and me live lives that bring honor to God. He's not going to do that. He, he's not going to look the other way unconcerned while we try to take territory that he has claimed for himself and reclaim it for the kingdom of heaven. He's not going to sit back and watch that. He's going to fight you and he's going to fight me with everything he's got. And that's why I love the C.S. Lewis quote that I shared with you last Sunday. Let me share it again. C.S. Lewis said, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch and every split second are claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan, and we are in a battle. So we began two weeks ago looking at, looking at some of the schemes Satan uses against us, to defeat us. And we talked about those things. I'm not going to go back and look at them again this morning. But again, the, the truth is, anytime you want to rebuild something that's broken, wherever that brokenness lies in your own life or your family or your church or your community, anytime you want to take something that's wrong and make it right, anytime you want to fix something that's a mess, Satan is going to go to war against you because he will not give up one single inch of territory 
that he has claimed for himself without a fight. So we spent some time looking at the schemes of Satan, but last Sunday, thankfully, we began to look at the resources God makes available to us so that we can be victorious in this battle. We began looking at those things last Sunday, and the first one was, remember the Lord. When you find yourselves in a battle against Satan, the first thing you need to do, the first thing I need to do is remember the Lord. Verse 14 of Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah said, When I saw their fear, I rose and I spoke to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people and I said, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We need to understand when, as we enter into this struggle with the one Scripture calls the very enemy of our souls. We need to realize our greatest resource is found in remembering the Lord, who He is and what He can do and how powerful He is. Again, I wish I had time to go back over all of that again this morning, but we're going to press ahead because there is a second resource that God's Word says we have in our battle against Satan. Number one... We need to remember the Lord, and then once we have done that, then we can move on to the second thing, and that is resist the enemy. Remember the Lord, number one. Number two, resist the enemy. Now, I want you to look with me at verses 14 through 23 of Nehemiah chapter 4, and, and as we read through these verses, I want you to think about how this was working itself out in the lives of God's Old Testament people who were under really satanic attack. Begin reading with verse 14. Nehemiah saying, After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the the officials and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. So from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officials posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall, and those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and we are spread out and we're widely separated from each other along the wall. Therefore, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half of the men holding spears from the first light of dawn until the stars came out at night. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve as guards by night and workers by day. And neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes, but each had his weapon even when he went for water. Now, I tell you, when I read something like this, when when I see what is taking place in 
these verses, I understand that God's Old Testament people had understood a very New Testament truth. And you'll see it there in James chapter 4, verse 7, where the apostle says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, the question that comes naturally out of this text is, well, pastor, how do I resist the devil? Well, there are two things I believe that we see in this text. And here's the first one. If you're going to resist the devil, you've got to develop an attitude. You have got to develop an attitude. Church, if these verses we just read tell us anything at all, they tell us that God's people here had developed an attitude of resistance against their enemies. We, we see it in verse 16 where half the men were working, And the other half held spears and shields and bows and coats of armor. We see it in verse 17, where the people were working with one hand and yet holding a weapon in the other. We see it in verse 21, where with great vigilance, they stand with spears from the first light of morning until the stars came out at night. We see it in verse 22 where those who worked by day also served as guards by night. And we see it in verse 23 where Nehemiah says, we never took off our clothes and we never put down our weapons even when we went for water. These folks had an attitude. They had an attitude. And that's because they understood a reality. They were not just builders. They were soldiers. Do you understand that reality this morning? You need to understand that reality. You are not just a builder. You are not just a church member. You are not just a Christian. You are not just someone who seeks to follow Christ. You are a soldier. You are a soldier. If you don't understand that, if you don't understand that you have been called to take up arms in this battle against Satan, then you will never win that battle. You will never win that battle. The first thing you must do if you're going to be effective in rebuilding what Satan has destroyed, in reclaiming what he has conquered, is to get an attitude. Now, you know, we don't like folks who have an attitude, you know. Man, he's sporting a tude, you know. But here's an instance where you need to really get an attitude. Church, we are in the battle of our lives. And if you do not cultivate the mindset that constantly reminds you that if you take your Christianity seriously, you're going to have to fight for it. If you don't understand that, you have lost before you've ever entered the battle. Now that's not popular. I realize that. And and probably a lot of us don't like to hear this. 
But following Christ means you have got to go to war against Satan. Otherwise, he's going to run all over you, and he is doing it in far too many instances. I'm a big uh, World War II history buff. And one of the interesting and yet tragic things about the Second World War is that much of Europe was swallowed up without any resistance by the armies of Germany's Third Reich. And the very first of those countries that Germany invaded were the countries that had signed treaties of non-aggression or neutrality with Adolf Hitler. Those were the first nations to lose their peace, to lose their freedom, to lose their way of life because they were not willing to go to war against aggression. They opted to negotiate, to find some kind of middle ground, to find the peaceful way out, and they were overrun. Tragically, many of us do the same thing. When we find ourselves in a spiritual struggle, our faith is not willing to sacrifice. Our human nature doesn't want to pay the price of warfare. We try to negotiate with Satan. We try to find a middle ground. We try to find the easy way out. We seek to compromise. And that's why for far too many Christians, their only expression of Christianity is in the church. And because we're content to keep our Christianity in the church, we are losing the battle in the world. we got to get an attitude, folks. Because we are in the struggle of our lives and the stakes are huge. You cannot sit this one out. And this, this isn't just about what happens to you. You you can't say this morning, well, look, I'm okay here. I I don't want to get involved in this spiritual warfare stuff. Really? Are you that selfish? Are you that pompous that you would think this is, thank you, that you would think this is only about you? Would you look at verse 14? Nehemiah says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. Can I tell you something this morning? I hope you already realize this, but sometimes I wonder if we do. Satan is attacking our families. He's attacking our homes. He's attacking our young people. He's attacking our schools. He's attacking our churches and our communities. He is running rampant in some of our own lives. And if you are a Christian, you have been called to be a soldier in the army of God. Doesn't mean you have to be caustic. Doesn't mean you have to be condemning, beat people over your head, over the head with your Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. But your mission and my mission is to, with God's help, rebuild what Satan has destroyed, reclaim what he has conquered. And if we're going to do that, we got to get an attitude that a lot of us, I'm afraid, we just don't have. You cannot opt for peace. When the word of God is sounding the trumpet blast of war, 
just cannot do that. And we wonder why our world and our culture is in the mess that it is. And it is because far too often we have not been willing to enter into the fray and enter into the battle. This is serious stuff. So I'm going to tell you something your mom and daddy told you not to do. Get an attitude. Get an attitude. Develop an attitude. You are a soldier in this great battle against the one who is out to destroy everything that is right and righteous in your life, in your home, in the lives of your kids, in your community, your church, your nation, and among the nations. If we're going to be a part of seeing that reversed, we've got to get an attitude. First thing. Second thing, if we're going to resist Satan. After we develop an attitude, we've got to, we've got to demonstrate some authority. We've got to demonstrate some authority. Look again at verses 19 through 20 here. And I said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great, widely spread, and we're separated on the wall from one another. So in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. Who will fight for us? Our God will fight for us. Look at verse 15. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the work, each to our own, all, all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Who frustrated the, the enemy? God frustrated the enemy. Listen, when you determine that you're going to walk with God, you're going to wait on God, you're going to work for God, you're going to witness for God, when, when, when that happens, then you are going to find that you have the power and the authority of God to take with you into the battle against Satan. I want you to look with me at James 4, 7 again, because when we looked at it a moment ago, we only looked at the last part of the verse. We need to look at the entire verse. What does it say? James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I want you to notice something here. Before you can resist the devil, there is something else you have to do. What is it? Submit to God. Submit to God. You got to say, God, I submit my will to your will. I submit my plans to your plans, my agenda to your agenda. I give you my life and I give you everything about my life. I hold nothing back. You get all of me. And when you do that, when your life mirrors the will of God and the word of God for your life, then you'll have some heavenly authority to confront Satan with. And listen, let me tell you something, because I don't want you to misunderstand anything I've said. When the authority of heaven confronts the authority of hell, hell is always the one to run. 
That's why Satan will flee from you. It's not because of what you can do. It's not because of who you are. It's because of who God is and what he can do in the lives of those who submit themselves completely to him. He'll fight Satan for you. He'll frustrate the plans of the enemy in your life. He'll give you the victory. Now, I've heard a lot of Christians say, oh, you know, my life's just so bad, it's so hard. The devil always seems to get the best of me. Well, why? Why does the devil get the best of you? He has no authority over you unless you're living outside the word and the will of God for your life. So if the devil's getting the best of you, you better get back to some obedience. Because the word of God says when you submit to God, you can resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Jesus said, all authority, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and where? On earth. Not some authority, not most authority, but all authority. And the one who said he has all authority then turned to you and me and said, therefore, I pass that authority on to you. Go. Make disciples. Get out of the church and into the world and begin doing what I have called you to do. And you will live in that authority and you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's good news. That's good news. We are in the battle of our lives. And we need to fight for our homes and our families and our churches and our community and our nation and the nations. <laughs> You're not just a builder, you're a soldier. And if you'll develop an attitude and you'll demonstrate some authority that comes to you from the one who will fight for you, you'll begin to see some things change in your life and your home and your family and your church and your nation and among the nations. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Um, these things we talk about are things that many of us wish we could somehow avoid, but we can't. And therein lies the problem. We have tried to avoid them. We have refused to get into the battle. We have opted for the easy way out. We have sued for peace. We have compromised. We have tiptoed around the clear, clarion call of your word and what it means to be faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Lord, if we're going to be truly transformed people who have a transformational impact in our world, we can no longer sit on the sidelines. We can no longer just worry about ourselves. We have got to look out into our culture and see that we have an enemy who is waging war on every level and is claiming for himself territory that rightly belongs to you, God, the God of the universe, the great and awesome God. That is your territory that Satan has claimed for himself. And so you call us to come and enter into that battle to take up our spiritual armament, which we'll talk about next week, and be soldiers in the greatest battle that could ever be fought. The battle for the welfare of our homes, our sons and daughters, our wives, our families, our communities and our culture and our world. So Lord, if here today there's some of us who have maybe not taken this quite as seriously as we should have. I pray today that like Nehemiah and these Old Testament people who began to develop an attitude and demonstrate the authority that came from knowing God, that you're the one who's fighting for us. You're the one who will frustrate the plans of the enemy. Lord, help us to today, right now, submit ourselves completely to you, 100% not holding anything back and that we would discover as we submit ourselves therefore to you we will be able to resist the enemy he will flee from us father whatever decision may need to be made this morning along these specific lines or maybe there's someone here today who for the very first time would profess christ as lord and savior or whether there's someone here today who needs a church home and a church family and senses under the leadership of your Holy Spirit that this is the place, then Father, I pray that there would be nothing that would hold back anyone today from doing what you have called them to do. May Satan not win a victory even here this morning to keep us from responding to your word and your will for our lives. Is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you to join me in standing. We're going to sing a hymn that really reflects what James 4, 7 says. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. I surrender all. I give you everything. You do that, then your God will fight for you. He will frustrate the enemy in your life and in your family, in your church, your community, the nation and the nation. So as we sing this morning, if you need to respond, these altars are open. If I can pray with you this morning, I'd be honored to do that. However God leads you this morning, would you come as God speaks to your heart?